So we're continuing our studies in, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, sometimes called the Disciples' Prayer. But I have this question for us today as we just concentrate on that one phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Does heaven ever seem distant to you uh, as you go about your day-to-day uh, events? Like, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. God's there, we're here, and never the two will meet. Uh, I admit that sometimes I forget about heaven because of all the crushing weight of the day. The bad news that we heard this week crushes us. And we forget about heaven. But I want you to know Jesus's prayer here, this model prayer, battles against that misconception that God is distant, that somehow he doesn't care, that he's not present here, that he's far removed from our world, from our circumstances. God is near. And praying that adheres to this model that Jesus gives us changes people. And it changes situations in our world. All by God's power, working through people who dare to pray the way Jesus prayed. Sometimes we forget that God's righteous right arm, his hand, is not too far removed to to reach the earth. That his mercy is always seeking, it's always ready to rescue the unworthy, that his justice will come at the right time to judge wickedness. Sometimes we forget, but do not mistake the note, do not make the mistaken notion that God's patience is somehow is somehow weakness, that he can't change things. I know my God, my Savior, deeply loves and desires that all people would know him and get a taste of his kingdom now and walk forever with him in the kingdom that's coming. Do you believe that this morning? He desires that to be the case. Last week I shared this little quote with you and I just do it again to to kind of get us warmed up here. The end of prayer is not so much tangible answers as a deepening life of dependency. It's all about God wanting a relationship with us. He walked in a garden with Adam and Eve. That's a clue that he wants to walk with us all the time, that he wants us to be near him and to know him. And you know, Jesus is a qualified teacher about prayer because the Son of God became the Son of Man. He prayed in dependence on his Father all the time. So listen to Jesus when he tells you this is how you ought to pray. When heaven's will becomes our desires, my desire, your desire, and we ask God to make that happen on earth today as it is in heaven all the time, we should be looking for, say, wow, what's God going to do? When heaven's will becomes what we desire, what's for heavenly things to happen on earth? Jesus is telling us not to be satisfied with what's normal on earth. Are you satisfied with what's normal in your world? Well, God is asking us, Jesus is telling us, you can pray to make a difference that God's kingdom will come. It's like a tutor helping a student to gain confidence 
and master a challenging subject. It's like a master painter helping a student to use colors and their brushes to begin to produce their own masterpieces. It's like a coach teaching the skills on a balance beam for an Olympian hopeful. Jesus is tutoring us here and he's telling us, you can pray and your prayers can make a difference in this world as you pray for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't ask for a bicycle when God's telling you, pray for a limousine. Do you remember Revelation 21? Well, maybe not. We looked at it last week. It's a picture of heaven. It's a picture of what's coming. It's a picture of heaven and it's a picture of hell in verses 1 through 8 of Revelation 21. And God's dwelling will be with his people, it tells us. There will be no more tears, no more death, no more mourning. Texas, the world, Ukraine, and everywhere else where there's a mess on the streets in our own towns nearby. Why, what a lofty aim. <laughs> the idea of heaven being experienced on earth in our day. That was a long introduction. <laughs> some are surprised that we're instructed to pray. Old church fathers, some of our church fathers from way back when in the first centuries were surprised that in the middle of this prayer, that Jesus would instruct us to ask for bread, physical bread, before we prayed for spiritual needs. Why bread for, for the body before the spiritual bread we need for our soul? So we're going to look at that today. So Jesus' model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It shapes how we pray. I want you to know the request order that Jesus gives us for prayer is really significant. So the first three requests are the in heaven request. Your name hallowed. That points us to God and to worship, to think about who God is and his character and his promises. And then your kingdom come. We're asking God to guide us, to know his word, to know his commands, to know what he desires. Guide us. Lord, let your kingdom come and let us be a part of that. Let us help us help us to do that. And then your will be done. It's more really about yielding, about surrendering to God's will. You know, I know what God's commands are. My problem isn't knowing what God's commands are. How about you? It's having the will to do it, having the will to follow through. Lord, change my heart so I bring your kingdom to earth. And then there's the hinge verse, or there's a summary, on earth as it is in heaven. That's kind of a semi-conclusion. It's not the end of the prayer, but it's kind of like wrapping up the first three prayer requests, on earth as it is in heaven. And then we go to the hinge verse, and, and David Miggle talked about hinge verses in the Psalms, and, and this is really a hinge verse. Give us this day our daily bread. It's, it's stuck in the middle. It's like the one thing that has to do with physical needs. It's about provision. It's connecting the two, heaven and earth. I need food. I need physical food to do God's will on earth. So it's right to ask for God to help us get what we need so we can live for him. And then the third part of the prayer has to do on earth. And it has to do with the spiritual part of life. Forgive us. We need pardon. Lead us not into, to, 
into temptation. We need victory over the temptations that would pull us away from God. And then we ask God to deliver us, to protect us from all those sins. And he will. Back in Psalms, in Psalm 46, familiar, familiar psalm to many of us, the psalmist wrote, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then in Psalm 63, just one verse, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you ever ponder the time we give to God, the time you give to God? Be still and know that he's God. To talk to him, to listen to him for his counsel, to think about God's coming kingdom and his judgment that's coming. And when we think about this kingdom of God that's coming, <laughs> there's this urgency for you and me to trust in Jesus, to believe in him, to surrender to surrender our lives to him. And then there's an urgency to go fishing so that other people can enter that kingdom too. There's an urgency because Jesus is coming back and then there'll be no opportunity to believe in him. So there's an urgency when the door is open and the Peters are reminding us again of that today. There's an opportunity for us to share the word of God, the hope of God, to provide for physical needs and then the spiritual needs. You know what's great about doing a series when you forget to mention something one week, you can do it the next week. <laughs> and last week I, f I mentioned Jeremiah chapter 16, uh, verses 14 through 16, and it has to do with a promise. Jeremiah was in, in Jerusalem. The Babylonians had ripped the city apart. There was nothing but death and destruction. Going on in the city, God was judging his people for their disobedience for years and years and years and years and centuries and centuries of disobedience. And God told Jeremiah this. Well, let me read it. I have it marked, so I'll turn there. It's a beautiful promise. Jeremiah 16, beginning at verse 14. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill, hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. That's a promise. I'm going to send out what? Mark 1:17. I will make you what? Fishers of men. A promise in the Old Testament, and Jesus is there in the New Testament calling his disciples to him and saying, God is beginning to fulfill a promise like never before. He sent me to fish, and I'm going to send you to fish for people to know 
God and to enter his kingdom. Have we ever evaluated personally if we're really yielding our wills to do the work that God sent us to do? What to do? <laughs> what do you do with that truth? First thing to do is to turn to Christ in faith. Our evil deeds and our evil thoughts, our sins separate us from God. God's righteousness demands justice, demands death for our sins. Christ was sent to die in our place, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Christ came to die in our place. His death covers over my sin. He atones for it as though I've never sinned and makes me clean. Although we know in reality that's not true. But because of his grace, that be, is the truth. And I beget to be a kingdom citizen that never, ever has to fear death. Simply by believing, by putting my faith in Christ. And then what do we do? We believe and then we follow. We pursue a life walking with God, talking with God, listening to his word and following him. So first, we honor God. We ask for his kingdom to come and his will be done. All lofty, high ideals. Is it really possible? And then Jesus' model prayer says, and before you pray for anything else, after you think about God and his kingdom and all that's going on in heaven and wanting that to come to earth, Jesus says, then give us this day our daily bread. It's a real human need. Some of you didn't have breakfast, so you're already hungry. You know, God obligates himself to provide food for the world, for people. It's the way he designed it in the Garden of Eden, right? He, he made this beautiful garden, and except for that one tree, they could eat. He made us that way. Give us our daily bread. Bread represents everything we need for our physical well-being. It's just a symbol of the whole. It, it, it's a prayer for food. It's a prayer for a healthy body. It's a prayer for good weather. It's a prayer for a shelter. It's a prayer for our family, for an orderly, safe society. When we ask God for daily bread, we're asking for more than bread. We're asking for rain and sunshine because you don't get bread without rain and sunshine. We're asking for good government so food can be produced and shipped to the cities and places where it's need. We're asking God for a society of fairness so that there can be gainful employment so we can provide for our families. We're asking God to provide us a place to live so we can thrive, so we can explore God's world, so we can create and garden and make music. And some of you know how to dance. I don't. But yeah, all these things. That's what we're asking for when we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It's so much bigger than that. When we ask for that prayer, we're praying for peace, not for war. Because when there's war, there's no daily bread. We're asking God to help us have clean water and good health care. And we're asking God to bless us with a good opportunity so we don't have to fear poverty. And that whole fear is removed so life can be joyful. So when you pray 
this prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever considered that you're asking for a lot more than Doritos and your favorite drink? <laughs> you're asking God to provide and he, he desires the world to be eaten again. And he sent us out to be fishers of people to invite them into the kingdom that's coming and to give them a taste of that now by providing for their needs, whether it's education or food or friendship. Growing gratitude through our daily wilderness experience. Reminds me of Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 through 21. I want to read that little bit of a story. You're familiar with it because it's about manna. Exodus 16, verse 13. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it, or manna? <laughs> For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less, but when they measured it with an omer, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever, whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of, of it over till morning. <clears throat> but they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. God, give us this day our daily bread. Wow, what a lesson in the wilderness that Israel had. And now I ask us, how's your experience in your wilderness? Would you have grabbed extra to save for the next day just in case God didn't come through? I'm probably with, in, that, in that group. What do you think? Would you have learned after a few days or a few weeks or a few months or at the end of the 40 years that God is faithful and will provide your daily needs? How long would it take you to figure that out? Have you figured it out yet now in our 40 years in the wilderness here? And would you have grown grateful for that bread, daily bread? Or would you have started to grow bitter about God's provision? When we ask God to provide our daily needs, it reminds us that God is the source of all good things. When we forget that God is our provider, we put too much value on material things. Okay, so I've been watching highlights of NBA playoffs, NBA playoffs, because I like basketball and I don't have cable, so I don't get to watch them. So I just watch the highlights. But I've noticed the car ads, and it happens to be Cadillac. They don't tell you anything about the car. They just say it's, it's going to make you be like, whoa, 
when you drive up, everyone's going to notice. So you see, a car's not good enough. It has to be the nicest car, the most luxurious car, the most powerful car, the most muscly looking kind of car. When we forget that God's a provider, we get focused on things. We don't ask, when we don't ask God to provide for us daily, we begin to worship the gift more than the one who gives the gift. And this isn't a, a, a statement on politics, but you know, communism and capitalism can both lead to materialism, and they do. You get focused on the material, worshiping the creature over the creator, depending on things rather than the giver of the things. So I have this question for us. Why doesn't God just give us all the stuff we need in one big lump sum? Yeah, you can think about that for a second. Why doesn't God just give us everything we need to last whatever time period I'm going to be alive on Earth? Because he doesn't want you and me to be another prodigal son or daughter. See, the, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 16, he wanted it all. I want my inheritance now, so I don't have to be under your house rules, Father, so I don't have to listen to your counsel in the good old days anymore. <laughs> when we forget God is a caring provider and, to, and decide to go out on our, loan, on our own, we lose so many good days of interaction with our Heavenly Father. So why doesn't God just give us all the stuff we need in one big lump, lump sum? Because our creator wants a relationship with us. He wants us to come to him daily and say, let's talk. I need you to help me. I need strength. I need food. I need peace of mind. I need a job. Whatever the case may be, I need forgiveness in my heart. Whatever it is, he says, come to me and talk to me. God doesn't need me but, you know, life is so much better. There's more peace when we walk in harmony with our creator. And Jesus came to bring us that opportunity. He's the way to God's presence. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, just come to me. So like I said, some early church fathers tried to spiritualize this verse. They thought like, wow, there's these high and lofty requests about heaven God being worshipped and his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. And then he talks about bread. He must have been talking about spiritual food. Like, you know, Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This must be talking about spiritual bread. No. It's talking about physical bread. It's talking about what we need because God made us physical and spiritual beings. So he's saying... Ask me for your physical needs. Remember who's the giver of all good things. Yes, remember God in heaven first. Worship him. Ponder his kingdom laws. Ask your heart to be changed so you're willing to obey him. But remember God's your provider. So ask him for your daily bread. Ask him for your daily needs. Build that relationship with your God. Your needs, your family's needs, your community's needs, the world's needs, your children's needs, your town's needs, our nation's needs. 
daily gratitude grows when we come to God daily and ask for him to provide what we need. Jesus's model prayer will revitalize our walk with God. Paul read from Matthew chapter 6, that great section about not being anxious. We're never anxious. <laughs> Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles or the unbelievers? Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. As we wrap this up today, don't tune me out yet. We're not done. Never say in conclusion. I just broke the rule. Is your heavenly father trustworthy? Well, the right answer is yes. But I don't always live that way. How about you? Good praying is one key for your faith to mature, for faith to grow, for obedience to get higher when you daily pray for God to provide. Good praying, starting with God's concerns and then my concerns. And it's one step at a time. It's God focused first and then daily needs seconds. And we need to ask because those who ask receive. And those who receive are to be thankful and those who are thankful will begin to love the giver more than the gift. So when it comes to praying Jesus' model prayer, do you feel like you are stuck at the basics? Or do you feel like you're moving forward and learning to pray this prayer? Is there any hunger to advance in your prayer life? I close with these two thoughts. Where would you like to do better in your prayer life? And what will you do differently this week when it comes to talking with your Father in heaven? I want to take just a moment for you to ponder what you will do differently concerning how you pray. Ponder it and then tell someone. Tell someone today at the end of the service or sometime this week what you're planning to do differently about praying for your daily needs. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we ask you to teach us to pray. And Lord God, I ask you today, if someone's doubting that you love them or care for them, that you're a saving God, would you reveal to them today your forgiving grace that comes through faith in Christ? Lord, would you provide for their needs their daily needs, their bread needs, so that they see that you are a God of compassion, that you not only provide physical needs, but you're ready to redeem and to save and forgive sins and give life everlasting. Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would help us to daily depend on you as our Heavenly Father and know that you're good. Teach us to ask, teach us to seek, and Lord, make us thankful. Lord God, I ask you that you would help all of us to be thirsty, 
to walk closer to you. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.